Hey family, welcome back to Lessons in Leadership. If this is your first time joining us, we are a channel and a company dedicated to equipping leaders with the tools and resources necessary to be the best that they can be, to lead the teams the best they can lead them, and to influence others through leadership. We believe that leaders are made, not born, and we believe that we have the one of the best frameworks and training protocols to help you achieve the best level of leadership you're capable of. So we want to jump into a couple things. If you've been joining us, then you've uh, heard our four part series on our four pillar framework. It's a proprietary framework that we use uh, when we go in and consult with companies. It's how we categorize issues that are prevalent in pretty much any company, regardless of size, structure, uh, industry. And what that does is it says, you know, is it a people problem? So the four P's are people, process, product, and promotion. Is it a human being problem? Um, are they, is it behavioral? Is there an issue with the individuals that we have on the team? Maybe we don't have the right people in the right positions. Maybe we just don't have the right people on the, on the team in general. Um, maybe we don't have the right leader, whatever it is. The process is a, how the people go about producing whatever it is that is the product. So the process is going to be how something is done repetitively. So we want it to be routine and repetitive so that we get a repeatable and predictable outcome. And then we can also go back and we talked about how we can measure each individual input of that system um, to gauge our success of the output. Um, product obviously is pretty self-explanatory, but the product is the actual item or service that we offer. Uh, so, you know, it's very simple to say, is there just an issue with our product? Is it production? Uh, is there an issue with quality? Uh, maybe there's an issue in the market that it's just not accepted well. Maybe we didn't, um, produce the desired outcome of that product. And then of course, promotion, promotion is marketing. How do we get our product or service out in front of people? So we use this framework because it's so vital for organizations to break down silos and work together. And part of that is making sure we all use the same language. So if we think about, if we had a room full of people that all spoke different languages, it would be very, very difficult to uh, find much success because most of the time would be spent trying to decipher what someone else was saying. We don't realize this, but we still have this take place. Even let's say in our companies, it's the predominant language is English, but you have different people that are speaking human resource language. You have people that are speaking finance language. You have people that are speaking operations language. And even though a lot of the lingo may be the same, the actual intended um, message is often convoluted because operations is seeing something in a completely different light than human resources is. Um, and they're not always able to properly convey that, especially when we take in modes of communication such as text or email. So what I wanted to do today is since we've broken down the four pillar framework, I want to expand just a little bit and give you a little bit more application, how you can actually take this and apply it. And then 
expand a little bit on um, the human side of this. So one of our first episodes, we talked about human needs. Um, human needs are vital to understand and be able to assess what particular needs someone's at. So we talked about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, Dr. Abraham Maslow was a psychologist that really kind of put together a lot of uh, kind of pioneered work in human psychology as far as how it relates to uh, organizations. Uh, so I always refer to his material because I think he really laid the framework and also that most people now are just sort of expanding on his ideas and philosophies. And um, but of course, we had the, the needs. We start at safety. Every human has a basic need for safety. Uh, we know that if we were on a deserted island, our first thing would be able to secure shelter and food, right? So we would want to know that we had some form of safety. Um, above and beyond that, then we all have a need for belonging, uh, friendship, basically some form of relationship outside of ourself. We all long for that. That's why we get married. That's why we have friends. That's why we have all of that um, in a community. Esteem, once we get past those two foundational things, we've got our, our basic safety. We've made some friendships. Now we want to start looking at how can we kind of raise our own individual self-esteem, right? How can we do things? Maybe we become really good and really get notoriety for a particular task or ability. Um, and then finally, self-actualization is basically kind of transcending the self. So when we say transcending, we mean going to a higher level, being able to see things from a higher level. But you can also transcend up the corporate ladder, uh, which allows you, you know, you, you're privy to a lot more information than you were at the lower level. So in reality, you have transcended and now looking back at things in a different light than you understand it differently than you did before because you have a different perspective. Um, this is very prevalent in, in sports, and that's why we use a lot of sports analogies because it's very easy to talk about teamwork. Everybody has a specific position, and we can easily see how like the pitcher and the catcher are, are vital to each other. But then if the guy's going to first base, obviously the first baseman's in, in important. So each person has a very defined role and we see the significance. Sometimes in organizations, businesses, it's difficult to always see the direct influence that say like a human resource manager has or, or someone along those lines. Um, so we don't always give it the same importance, but they are, they are very important. Um, very vital to the success and the health of an organization, especially in the long run, but especially when it comes to creation of a congruent and healthy team, right? So if one department is preaching one particular thing, like this is what we believe in, this is what we do, say human resources says we believe in, you know, equal opportunity, we believe in fairness, we believe in all this, but then operations is like, I want you to get this done by any means necessary, hit your numbers. It, you can see where it's a conflict of interest and it creates a lot of confusion downstream. Um, so it's important to understand that all individuals in our company have these basic needs. Some of them have reached a certain level. So some, maybe some of our lower employees living paycheck to paycheck, they just need to absolutely know that they're going to have that check coming in so they can afford to pay their rent for that 
that and, and hopefully get some food as opposed to some of them are, you know, trying to figure out how can they become the best absolute version of themselves, right? So maybe our executives are at that level. Also, each person can have their own micro level of this. So maybe the dishwasher is trying to self-actualate up to a cook. And we talked about how important it is to allow for those things. Everybody should be constantly training the person below them for their job so that they have the opportunity to move up. So the dishwasher, the, the chef should be training the cook, the cook should be training the dishwasher, so on and so on and so on, so that each one of them can have that esteem to know that they're doing good, they're valued, and then also self-actualize and go up. Because that individual that's washing dishes, he may not ever aspire to be a manager, a general manager, a regional, a vice president. That may not be his aspiration. He may aspire to be that head chef, and that may be his level of self-actualization, and we can be paramount in helping them achieve that. Um, so it's very important to understand that. What I want to get into is uh, how we can ascertain sometimes people's level of where they're at, but also more importantly, some of the underlying fabrics of this is values and beliefs. So the distinction is important, even though they sound very similar and there are a lot of overlap or there is a lot of overlap. The beliefs are very tightly held, uh, often family or religion or culture um, based things. So such as a belief in God, a belief in a higher power, a belief in luck. You know, some people believe in luck. That's why you'll see like batters do certain um, repetitive things before they go up or free throws. They have a, a routine that they do um, or they won't step on a certain line on the field. Right. It's sort of uh, even though it's superstitious, the underlying thing of that superstition is a belief, a belief of some sort. So beliefs are important to take into account because if people's beliefs aren't aligned, and we're going to talk a lot about alignment at, throughout our series, but alignment just means that we're all in one line working towards a common goal. Uh, so that alignment is very important. And if we don't have the same beliefs, um, we can work together, but it's going to be difficult to get fully aligned. And that doesn't mean that we all have to believe, right? So some of our best companies that we work with are very diverse. We have Christians, we have Muslims, we have Jewish people. Um, that to me is healthy, but all those people have a core belief that there's a greater or a higher power, right? Um, so that's differences, but also a overarching agreement that there's something. Um, so that's where beliefs come in. And you know, you can also overlap, but say like beliefs, like that everybody should have an opportunity Everybody should get the same thing. You know, there's a lot of beliefs that people have, and sometimes those are from childhood. Sometimes they're not real. Sometimes that's, you know, some people think, well, everybody should be treated fair and paid the same. I don't believe that. That's not one of my beliefs. I believe that whoever's the best, like, you know, should get it uh, like sports do. I don't, I don't, if you're good, you should get playing time. If you're not, then you're going to ride the bench. And um, the person that's great at it should get paid accordingly. Because that's my belief that you earn you earn your uh, right to play, you earn your salary, and it's not uh, contingent or based on anything else that anybody else does. But that's my belief, right? And um, if I'm trying to 
espel that into an organization that's made up of people that don't share that belief, it's not going to be very successful. In fact, they're go it's going to be a huge turnoff. Um, so that's just something to take into to consideration of how we use that and how we can start to understand people's beliefs and look at those and say, oh man, that's a deeply held belief. I need to either learn how to uh, harness that and use it, or I need to slowly start thinking maybe this isn't the right person, or I need to learn how to uh, maybe start instilling some other beliefs. And then values. Values are very similar to beliefs, but we're going to say that they're a little different in that I value something like I value integrity. I value honesty. I value, uh, you know, being trustworthy. I value people that uh, tell the truth, honesty. And that's meaning that those are my deeply held values that I don't want people um, entrenching on those. I don't want people intruding on my values. And if I'm one of those people that says, I value honesty and integrity above all else, and yet in my work, it seems like I'm being asked to you know, maybe do things that are sort of outside the realm of what I would consider honest. Uh, maybe it's it's kind of fudging the numbers. Maybe it's making sure that inventory comes back really good so that uh, our end of the month numbers look good. Any little thing like that, right? What's important is, A, you want people with high values, right? Because we want people surrounding us with hard work honesty, integrity. That's, that's amazing. So that's part of the hiring process, making sure that people that you're hiring, their values are aligned with your values and your company values. It's also important to make sure when we break into teams that those people's values. So it might not be the best uh, fit to have someone from operations beyond human resources if their values are completely underlined. If, if human resources values are very people-centered and uh, equality, equity in the company, making sure everybody's, you know, fair and all this stuff. And operations is achieved by any means necessary. We're the ones that bring the money in to pay for you all. You can see where there's going to be a major conflict of values, even though both of them at some basic level have uh, the best interest for the company. It's not going to be the most uh, healthy relationship. So that's where you can kind of see how you need to be able to take into account beliefs and values and start looking for those. Just as we talk about the four pillars framework is not just a way to categorize issues so that we break down silos and everybody's using the same language to quickly say, well, that's a people problem. That's a product problem. It's a process problem. Um, it's also a way to really look at right? So we, we've talked about before how everything in our world is really, there's a physical world, but then everything else is our interpretation of that physical world. So we all see a different subjective reality and it's based on our beliefs. It's based on our values. And that's, you know, we can bring it back full circle. If you believe in God and you have that belief since you were a child, it's going to impact the way you see reality uh, saying, oh, well, God blessed us. God did this, right? If you don't, if you were raised atheist, you don't have that belief. It's going to change the way you see the world. It's going to change the reality that you experience because, you know, we believe, and I think most people are coming to the realization that 
reality is a derivative of our thoughts and our consciousness um, and sort of our mind. So there's a collective mind that we as humans all share, um, right? We have a mind that we can think and do cognitive tasks and, uh, you know, do mathematic, arithmetic and everything like that. But then there's also thoughts and thoughts can be anything and everything. Thoughts can just come into your head. Um, you know, you can see a beautiful woman and a thought pop into your head, or you can see anything. Like even when you're driving, thoughts are just coming in. Thoughts are just random things. We have to be able to differentiate, but okay, that's just a thought that came into my head. It's not my mind. It's not my consciousness. I'm conscious now that I had a thought. I mean, sometimes you're daydreaming and you're like, how did I even get here? I've been driving. How did I get here? Or, you know, what have I been doing for the past 30 minutes? Just so you become conscious of a thought, but that doesn't mean that you have to then give any more thought to it. You don't have to use the mind to expand on that thought. It can come in and go out just as quickly as it, as it did. So that's where we as humans have to become more trans. We have to transcend the mind as individuals. And we teach that in our fit, fearless and free um, program, how to get to those higher levels. But it's basically just being able to withdraw back and look at stuff through a different lens. So if I'm talking to an employee or I'm talking to a customer, or I'm talking to a coworker, um, I'm able to, okay, pull myself back and start looking at things through that framework. What is his values? What's her values? Oh, I, I can hear through her language. That's one thing we talk is active listening. You know, while I'm listening to the person, I'm really trying to listen to what they're saying and be a hundred percent present in the, in the, in the conversation. But I'm also using my mind to think, right? So I want to go into it with sort of a blank slate and not put my cognitive bias into what they're saying. Like, Oh, there, here goes human resources. They're just going to tell us, you know, something they're going to be tattletales or here goes such and such. He's going to complain about something, right? If I do that, it already clouds and uh, starts to give a storyline, right? To what someone's saying. And now I'm seeing it through that lens. Instead of being able to pull back, listen intently and not listen to myself. Oftentimes we don't realize that we're not really even listening to somebody. We're listening to ourselves, Like we're listening to thoughts that come into our head. Uh, oh, he's complaining. Oh, here we go again. Oh, this is oh, okay. Okay. I've heard this a hundred times. Or you're thinking about what you're um, going to say, right? I'm just thinking about my response in a way, instead of just actually being able to clear the mind and take in what they're saying. And then block the thoughts and then use the rational mind to actually begin to break down what they said. So, okay, well, I, now I see what his, why he's thinking that his beliefs are different than mine, his values, his, his values of this. And he feels, he feels that we've intruded on his values. And now he feels you know, less valuable to the company, or he feels some sort of inner conflict that he's experiencing. That is so powerful to be able to do. And, and often people don't understand it. And it's through our work with individuals, especially higher in the organization, through our work with leaders that we can teach them 
to be more present, to transcend their own personal biases, to be able to look at things through a higher perspective. It's sort of similar to like a high rise building. If you look at stuff at ground level, you're only going to see so much, right? You go up a little bit and you can really see things, but it, things start to look very chaotic, right? Like talk about like a large building, everybody's going to and from, and it looks chaotic. As you go higher and higher, now you start to maybe be able to see things like, oh, well, that makes sense. These people are checking in. These people are checking out. Um, all this stuff is, there's a reason and there's a flow and there's a system that it's all going. It just looked that way from the ground, right? So on the ground level, you were completely immersed in it. A few higher level, levels higher, you're kind of seeing everything from a higher level, but it still looks chaotic. And then as you go higher and higher, you're actually able to look down and say, oh, wow, I see the whole picture now. I see the whole thing. I see why everybody's doing what they're doing. That's what we talk about. Um, so I want to keep this fairly short. We shoot for 30 minutes, so I'm, I'm going to get uh, to some of the finishing points here. So obviously, we see a lot more emergence in sports. Sports, uh, I think, were early adopters of psychology and performance, utilizing this stuff. They, they would look and see, well, why is this person having trouble? A lot of it was mindset. We knew that they or that the owners and, and coaches knew that they were elite athletes, that their physiology hadn't changed overnight. Um, they still could bench press and run and jump and throw a ball or whatever as good as ever. But there was some mental issue that was causing them not to perform optimally. And so they started addressing that. Most teams nowadays have psychologists on staff. Um, those of you all that know me, I've worked heavily with collegiate athletes. Um, most of them have some sort of psychologist and, uh, performance, um, improvement coach or something like that on, on teams. And they'll usually work, uh, in alignment with like their physical. So their personal trainers, their weight trainers, their dietitians, and everything. We, we would all work as a team, um, to get those people fully aligned mentally, physically and, and whatever you want to call it, spiritually or not, but they were uh, a complete holistic machine um, firing on all cylinders. So that's important. And I think business is starting to see it, but it's very important that you, if your company doesn't offer that, it's very important that you become that person, that you start to see things as these individuals are, are individual humans with different beliefs and values and understandings and different perceptions of the world. And I need to be able to listen to them and be cognitive enough to listen to what they're actually saying and not go in and try to enforce my uh, desires and my vision of reality. Because you, the more and more you transcend, you'll start to realize that your version of reality is, is very uh, murky, that we distort when we take in information, we really distort it, right? It's kind of like hearing something, but you didn't really hear it clearly. Or looking at something through sunglasses or whatever you want to call it we really don't get the full picture we take in what we want and we use that a lot we talk about the reticular activating system but if i was at heightened alert thinking somebody's chasing me i'm going to hear and see things a certain way or at night we hear and see sounds and think there's something in the room it's really not it's just that we're highly in tune to that and we don't realize that oftentimes we go through the world that way. It may not be that fear response, but we're going into a situation 
and maybe we're highly focused on finance and that's how we're viewing and seeing everything. We're seeing everything as either an aid or an obstacle, uh, a benefit or an obstacle to what we're trying to achieve. Um, when in fact, things have way more meaning. They're just physical world. It's, it's physical things, things that are going to happen whether we're there or not. And we're the one giving them a meaning. We're the one assigning a meaning to that based off, off our internal representation of what's going on. Um, what, also very important to talk about when we, we, we talked heavily about our mission, vision, and values. Um, so obviously values play a big part in that. We're not going to get into beliefs. Like we're not going to say, Hey, who believes in God? But we do want to talk about values. Um, but our mission needs to be aligned. So when we're hiring people or we're assessing if people are good fits, if they're not aligned with our mission, is that going to help us or hurt us? Like if we find out that we have, what do you call them, moles or secret agents or something on our team in the military, that's not good. Like that's not going to work good if we accidentally brought in people that are working for the enemy. So we want to make sure like they may not be our enemy, but their values and their beliefs and their goals and intentions could actually really harm us if we've hired the wrong people and brought them in or put them in the wrong position. It'd be the same as putting a point guard playing center in basketball. It's just not going to be conducive to winning. Um, and everybody on the team is going to get very frustrated, right? You're going to be very frustrated because why does this guy not see it? Is he that stupid and, and um, unevolved and, uh, you know, he can't see that this isn't working good. That person's not a good fit. High performers, like if you're at the NBA and, and you put a point guard to play center, everybody on the team's going to instantly know you don't know what you're doing. You can't see what's going on. You're not in tune. We need a new coach, right? But would your employees at your place say that? Some would. And we got to be understanding of that and be transcend ourselves high enough to be able to take that in. Um, so that's very important. Make sure that your mission is aligned and that everything you espouse, your, your values and everything fits in to your mission so that people clearly know and understand it. And you're able to clearly communicate it and paint that picture or tell that story. We always talk about to get people fully congruent and aligned towards a mission. Um, last but not least, I just want to talk about what we kind of touched on just a second ago, but the mind and thoughts and being able to separate those and realize that you can have thoughts and that's not your mind, right? Like, like just because you have a thought because something happens and you get upset that, oh, I'd like to, oh, I'd like to punch that guy or, oh, you know, even worse, some people go way off the deep end. That doesn't mean that thought doesn't mean you're going to take action on it. And that thought oftentimes is completely alien to your values and beliefs is it was just a random thought that popped into your head. Um, same thing, like there's all kinds of irrational thoughts and irrational fears that just pop in. We don't have to give them any relevance. They can just come in and go out and we have to be able to understand that that's that difference that we have a mind that we can use to figure things out, to, to calculate, to envision and come up with amazing creation. Right. And then we have thoughts that come in from our stimulus that just everything, right? Thoughts, thoughts, thoughts. We can learn through practice. You can learn through practice. The same as how when an NBA is player is shooting that free throw, 
they've become very good at tuning everything out, right? And we don't, we don't give that enough credit in business when we're making decisions. And a lot of times we're forced to make quick decisions, right? So a lot of our executives have time to go in and contemplate and they're making long-term strategies. But a lot of our people in the trenches are making, you know, minute by minute, very important decisions in, in the overall um, aspects of our company. They're, they're making decisions about spending our money, about allocating funds for labor, for whatever our products are. And we don't give enough credit to think that we need to teach them the mental ability to be able to stop and, okay, that's a thought. Don't, don't, don't act on the thought, use the mind. And mo so many people don't understand how that is. They don't even understand that there's a difference between thoughts and the mind. Um, and then what we talk about consciousness, consciousness is being conscious of everything, right? So like right now, if I said, focus on your toe and the feeling in the tip of your big toe, you would become conscious, aware, right? That of that down there and how that felt. Um, but in reality, you probably haven't even been aware of it this whole time I've been talking. So that's the difference. And so being conscious is being able to sort of step back or, or go to an elevated view of that room um, and look at things and say, oh, wow, I didn't see it that way. I didn't perceive it that way. I'm more conscious. I've, I've transcended where I was at and I've sort of taken myself to that higher view. And now I see why they're doing what they're doing. I see so much. Now I can use my mind, my powerful, creative, intelligent mind to come up with better answers, better solutions. And I can use the framework, the four pillars framework to see, okay, that's a people problem. That person is having a behavioral problem, right? It's a people problem. Why is that behavioral problem occurring? Now this brings us to what we've been talking about. There's a conflict between that person's beliefs or values in relation to the team, in relation to the organization. They feel that they're violating their personal values um, or they don't share the same level of values that we do. They don't hold um, maybe honesty or integrity as in high regard as we do. And that's why they're not doing what we do. Maybe they don't understand teamwork. Like, you know, uh, a great person that I was just talking to the other day, he, he kept saying, the team comes together, we leave together. We come in together, we leave together. We are a team. Like we don't start till everybody's ready to go and we don't leave till everybody's done. That's, that's such a simple thing, but it's so powerful, right? Because it's telling them it's not over until it's done. Just like when I was in Boy Scouts, it's not over till everybody's done. Just because you put your tent up or just because you did something, now you go over and help, help your buddy. Um, it's not over until everybody's done, right? No man left behind. We got to understand that. Well, if that's our highest value and the other person doesn't share it, there's always going to, we're always going to look at them in a light that maybe they're less than, or they don't, we just haven't realized that we need to explain the importance of that value and try to instill that in them. Or they may not be a good person on the team, but that's, that's how that works, right? So we can make it a, a distinction between the mind and the thought. We can, become conscious of, of everything that's going on around us and all the stimulus that's coming in and extract ourselves and see it and then really use our framework that we've learned to say, that's why that problem's occurring. Oh, that's not a people problem. That's a product problem. There's a problem with the product. 
That's it's not our salesman. The product's just not doing good. There's issues with the product or it's a process. It's not a people person. That guy's doing the same thing all the time. It's the process is flawed. It doesn't give clear communication. So, you know, it's like a recipe that doesn't, it says, instead of it says half a teaspoon, it says a pinch, right? Well, what the heck's a pinch? My pinch bigger than your pinch, where it says a handful of salt, like season to taste. Like that's great if the people know what they're doing, but if they don't know what they're doing, they're not going to get the same repeatable, predictable result. Sometimes Henry, who's got a gigantic hand, is going to be salty. And Susan or April, who has little bitty hands, is going to not have enough salt. Like it, So we have to be very conscious of making sure that our people are the right and they're, they're equipped with everything they need and the, the share all the same values and beliefs. But we have to make sure that our process is aligned right that it gives clear instructions on how to do things gotta make sure that our product is good and we got to step back because a lot of times we have bias it's our product we designed it or whatever right and step back and say well okay like maybe this process maybe the frontline people have more input than i realized and maybe they know it better than i do i haven't been doing it for years maybe they understand a part of the process and they could make it better maybe the product could be better and we need to take that feedback from the consumer and then promotion like what we're putting all these Facebook ads and Instagram ads and I got all my landing pages. Well, maybe it's just not working because the people that I'm marketing it to aren't interested in that product, like, or I'm doing the wrong demographic or something, right? Like we have to be conscious enough to step back and look at it and say, that's why this problem's occurring. Now that I'm conscious of it, I can use my mind to, to solve it. So that's that's sort of in a nutshell. I hope this made sense. Sometimes it gets a little bit difficult to understand, but my goal is to break it down so that framework gives you a very simple <clears throat> frame by frame, you know, category by category to break things down into and then to teach you really quick how to use yourself as as a as a receiver of information to be conscious of what's going on to use your mind to figure things out and to understand how your thoughts are not your mind your thoughts are influenced by all these other things your your past beliefs your values your goals in life everything right um so you have to be conscious of all that to be able to properly lead others to be able to fully engage a team and not only engage, but to get the absolute best out of everybody on that team. That's what leaders do. Leaders mobilize people and resources and use them together to create things for others, right? We, we, we give opportunities for products in the marketplace. We give opportunities for individuals to create those. And then we refine each and every part of that. We, we refine the people, we refine the process, we refine the product, and we refine the promotion um, constant, never ending improvement should always be the goal of every leader for every part of that framework. And you are the person, you are the overall person that is responsible for it. And you, you are the only person that can be responsible for helping yourself transcend to higher and higher levels to be able to see things through different, um, views, different levels of consciousness to be able to see what others are doing and help them. 
If you don't, if you don't take responsibility for yourself as a leader, you'll always be the bottleneck to success. That's all I've got here. If you're interested in learning more about how you can become a more productive leader, uh, a better leader, a more aligned individual, both personally and professionally, so that everything you do from your diet to your workout to your personal time to your professional time is in full alignment towards a common goal, and then you want to learn how to take that and get your team aligned, check us out, Lessons in Leadership. We have the Fit, Fearless, and Free, which is the individual, and then we have the Four Pillars Framework that we use for organizations. Check us out. We're everywhere. You shouldn't have any trouble finding us. It's been great. Guys, do me one favor. Get off social media and get to work.